and we're going to turn over to the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, Brother Fellow, you has lessons in his hand. If you didn't get one, just raise your hand real quick. He'll put a lesson in your hand. We're going to uh, change gears. We've been going through the books on history, uh, going through the book of Esther, through the book, uh, I'm sorry, the book of Joshua, through the book of Esther. Uh, but today, because of being Veterans Day, we're going to look at Apostle Paul. He was a soldier of Jesus Christ, amen? amen. He was the one that said, of course, through the inspiration of God, endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're supposed to do. And uh, we want to finish well. Yesterday, I went to the funeral of uh, Brother uh, Clemenson. Most of you, he's never been here before that I, uh, I guess he has been here for one service. Uh, Brother Clemenson um, is the one that founded and started Agape Boys Home in Stockton, Missouri. And so yesterday, I went over there uh, for his uh, funeral and uh, home going. And uh, just interesting to see when a person gets to the end of life. Um, you know, I think a funeral is a tribute to the person who lived their life. I really do. Uh, I, the only way we can teach our children these things is by our actions. But, you know, when somebody dies, my father always taught me when somebody dies, we should stop. Now, I don't know that he necessarily said that, but he showed me that. And I think sometimes we, uh, you, you, you say, well, I wasn't really close to that person. But I want to tell you, if somebody, especially if somebody gave their life for the Lord or somebody did, what, did that which was right, man, I'm going to tell you, people ought to just to stop just to give tribute to a person like that. Brother Clemenson was one of the such fellows. I wish you could have met him. And, uh, of course, he passed away. I want to look at this idea of finishing well uh, this morning. We're in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 4. And uh, the verse is verse number 7. I think you quoted a moment ago. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And so this morning, I want to de deal with Apostle Paul as a good soldier of Jesus Christ and how we should finish uh, well. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord blessing on his word. Our Father, thank you again for letting us come to Sunday school. Lord, may we, as if we were in school, Father, have a heart to learn. Teach us from your word. Help us understand. Lord, as we use Apostle Paul as our example this morning, help us, Lord, to do what he did. Help us to finish our course. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, nobody knows how long a person's going to live. Every time there's a funeral, it reminds me again the brevity of life. It really does. Uh, again, uh, I'm at the old age of 52. How many's around that age? You're around that age? All right. How many are starting to feel that you're getting old? Would you raise your hand? How many still feel young? You feel young? All right. You're lying to yourself. All right. Um, I'm just telling you, the older I get, the shortness of time. And uh, you've heard me say before, and I can't help but think about my grandfather, 57, my dad died at 58, and my, again, my brother and I tease about who's next, but, you know, since he's older, he gets to live at 59, I get to live to 60, but uh, we don't know how long the Lord's going to live. Boast, thy, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. This could be all of our last day, but, but I want to tell you, as you get older, it's amazing how you look at things differently. Sure. You look at uh, what's important. Uh, you look at uh, what's a big offense, what's a little offense. You know, there's some things that as you get older, you think to yourself, it's not worth fighting over. You know, when you're younger, everything is worth fighting for. All right. But as you get older, you look at things different because, hey, listen, you, you only have so many years of life. And so, again, we, I want to think, get you to think about this on finishing well. You know, when Apostle Paul said, I have finished my course, the word finish means complete. The word course means race. And I want to tell you, God wants us to finish the race. And I want you to notice the little uh, um, stations that have a preposition, pronoun. The pronoun in there, my. In other words, God's given you a personal race. This is not just a matter of, you know, we're running uh, collectively as a group for the Heritage Baptist Church. You're running your race. I'm running my race. And you ought to want to finish well. You ought to want to complete it well. The young people, and I, yeah, we're glad the girls are here. Girls, how old are you? Let's see here. You're what, 15? 14. 14, how old are you? 
14? 14? 16? You're the oddball. All right, how old are you? 16? 18. 18, wow. 17, all right. Well, we've got a variety of ages, 14 to 18 and 35. 21, all right. So, so we have a variety of ages now. At their age, they think to themselves, man, I've got my entire life ahead of me. What's entire? Nobody knows. Only God knows. So teach us, Psalm 90, verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. We don't know how long we're going to live, and we ought to live every day to the fullest in the sense that this could be my last day. So Apostle Paul makes this statement. He says, I finished my course. And by the way, that's not the only time Paul made that statement. Paul talked about his course a couple different places, Acts 20, verse 24, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord. Uh, Apostle Paul, remember in Philippians chapter 2, he said, forgetting those things, verse four, 13 and 14. He says, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth those things which are before. And verse number 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. I sat in that funeral yesterday, and to be honest with you, I was a little bit, um, oh, not satisfied, because I felt more people should have done tribute to the man. You know, in that, they had three sections to this auditorium where I was at yesterday, and one of those sections was the boys' home, and it was full of the boys' home, but two sections were there. And I thought to myself, I've only known Brother Clemenson for probably the last 10 years, maybe, of, of his life, and the guy was a giver, and the guy was sincere, and the guy was a leader. He was a police officer that took somebody into his home, and then it grew. He was in California. And then when it grew to four people and then 12 people, he decided the Lord wanted him to start a boys' home. And so he, start, he started a boys' home. And I think he went from Washington State down to Stockton, Missouri, because the laws were more lax there as far as having a boys' home. And he spent all these years of his life there and had so many people come through, thousands of people that he influenced. And you get to the end of his life, that place should have been overflowing. I went to, years ago, I went to Brother Jim Vineyard's uh, funeral. Dr. Jim Vineyard was the pastor of Windsor Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, and he was also the founder of the Oklahoma, Oklahoma Baptist College. Brother Jim Vineyard at one time had 435 missionaries that he supported just through their church. I don't know how much money they gave to missions, but I know it was a lot. In fact, during those years of his life, I would never take our kids to a youth conference. I would only go to his missions conference because when we would go there, he would have 25 families at his missionaries, missionary families at his missions conference. You could not go to a place where the kids could be so influenced by missions than at, than at Jim Vineyard's place. Toward the end of Jim Vineyard's life, he really got on to this idea that it should be Israel and Israel only. And I'll never forget us going back to their missions conference. After, after going there for years, we went to a missions conference. And when I got there, there were no missionary families ex except a few. It was his missions conference. It was very unusual. And every uh, class and every topic was on Israel. And I want to just tell you, that was a turning point for Jim Vineyard because a lot of people didn't like it. That that's all. I mean, his focus was Israel and Israel only. And I'm not telling you, believe, bless Israel, you're blessed. Curse Israel, you're cursed. But there was a turning point, and there were people that never associated with him again because his focus turned to being Israel. And not that it was wrong what he had done, but it's like people just turned the light off. Hey, can I just say this, and I know, I know this might not be the, the whole lesson this morning, but can I just say, uh, people are going to make decisions that you're not necessarily agree with. They've done so many good things in their life. You should still honor, give honor to who honors do. So I sat at Jim Vineyard's funeral, and I'm thinking to myself, this place should have been overflowing. The balcony should have been used. But again, what does, it, what does it happen? A person gets to the end of their life, and again, we are judged by our actions. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. And the idea of even a child gives the indication that we as adults, it's obvious we are going to be judged by our doings. So 
Again, how we finish our life is important. Church family, Kirkland Smith, I think he finished well. Amen. He was not known by the world. He was not a national preacher. He never really went out. He raised his family. He was here. Believe me. Kirkland was with me for how long? Hey, by the way, happy birthday yesterday. Thank you. Yeah. I noticed when I got home last night, I said I forgot to call you. But anyway, happy birthday anyway. All right. You feel any older today? Okay, good. Good. You don't look any older, all right? So you did well. Mrs. Smith, you guys was with us for uh, 20, since I've been here, really. All right. Kirkland, when, uh, when he came uh, here, I'd be honest with you, I, we, I, I can't really have a complete conversation with Mrs. Smith as far as what drew them here, but Kirkland, when he came here, um, he, 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 it was rough for me <laughs> because Kirkland was honest, and he told me what he thought. I mean, he, sometimes he'd write me letters that were not the nicest in the world, <laughs> but he stayed with me, and I stayed with me. He stayed in church. And over time, him and I got to the place where we were close, and he trusted me. And I think part of it was trust. I was a lot younger than him, and I think when he first came to this church, you know, what's this young guy know? He knows nothing. But he got to the place where he trusted me. And over time and over years, you know, it was nothing for him to tell his kids. They would come to him for advice. He said, listen, you go talk to the pastor and see what he says, because he trusted me. And I'm very thankful for that. But there were times as far in those early days, man, it was a little rough on me. But it was and what the Lord had for me, and I think it's what he had for your husband too, because there was things that he had to change in his life for us to be able to come together and work together. And, of course, he was a deacon for all those years. But when it got to the end of his life, he ended well. Yes, amen. And it's not that the first part wasn't good, but he ended well. Can I just tell you, church family, you want to end well. You want to end well. Amen. You know, I'm going to get to the message this morning. But I find, not always, but I find that the older a person gets, they say whatever's on their mind. You do not want me to get older. I don't know what it is. The older we get, I don't care what you think. This is it. Blah, 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 blah. Can I just tell you, you want to end well. You want to finish your course that God gave you. You want to finish the course that God gave you. You want to finish well. And it's not that you're going to not make mistakes or say things you shouldn't say. But you ought to ask God every day of your life to stay in the book and to stay right with him so that you finish well. Amen. When we get to heaven, it won't matter how many people came to your funeral. Amen. We're going to be with Christ. Amen. Our lives are to glorify him anyway. But I do think that you need to finish well. And I think the Bible teaches that. So this morning, can I just tell you from 2 Timothy 4 why I think Apostle Paul finished his course. I think they're all in the same chapter. But I think there's a reason Apostle Paul finished his course. And I think it's the same reason that we'll finish our course well also. All right? So you got your Bible. Let's pick it up here. In, in, uh, just pick it up. Uh, let's pick it in verse 1. I charge thee therefore. Oh, man, I wish I had time to teach the therefore going to the previous chapter. But I charge thee therefore before God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, the alive and the dead, at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Talking to Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Verse 3, for the time will come when they not endure sound doctrine. Verse 4, they shall turn away their ears from the truth. Verse 5, but watch thou. Timothy, watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Paul says, while he's in prison, writing this letter to Timothy, for I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departures at hand. History tells us that Nero... Uh, is the one that killed Apostle Paul. Paul was in prison. Paul said in verse number seven in his last letter to Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Amen. The church, I mean, I think what is going to follow that statement 
is what caused him to finish his course well. Look at verse number eight, henceforth. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of what? Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only. So the last phrase tells us who's going to get that crown, but unto all them also that what? Love is appearing. I think the reason Apostle Paul finished his race and his course like the Lord wanted him to finish it was because he kept his eye on the finish line. He says, God's going to give me a crown of righteousness. And we know there's five crowns mentioned in the scriptures, and one of those crowns is the crown of righteousness. And God says, that's not just for preachers. That's for those who look for his appearing. That's for those who love his appearing. That's like, God, even so come Lord Jesus. Amen. I was... Uh, <clears throat> I was looking this morning at a video this morning, and again, I know that you probably know the story um, of Derek Redman. I'm trying to find that real quick here. Um, yeah, it was Derek Redman. I just want to make sure I was saying it correctly. But uh, I, man alive, um, there's very few, um, it was, it's just a clip. The, the Olympics put it out. I, if I remember correctly, it was a minute and a half. But there's very few clips that every time I watch it, it just kind of grips my heart. In 1988, um, Derek Remington was an Olympic runner. He got all the, all the way to the place to where he was about to run in 1988, and then something happened to his hamstring. And if I remember correctly, it was just a couple of minutes before the start, and he was running for a gold medal, and, um, and he wasn't able to do it in 1988. So he went through eight operations, and four years later, in 1992, he shows up at the Olympics, and he had made it that far. And he had run race after race after race, and he kept working his way up. And now he's getting close, and he's in the semifinals to be able to run for the gold medal and so uh, about time to run. Well, if you watch the video, and I almost I was tempted to show you the video this morning, but if you, if you watch the video by the Olympics, they show the exact video, and of course the gun goes off, the racers take off. It's a 400-meter race, and they're all running. He's about 250 meters away from the finish line, and all of a sudden his hamstring went out. When his hamstring runs out, the video shows he just falls to his feet, or it falls to the ground. All of a sudden, of course, he's in, in tears, like crying because of the pain that's going on. He gets up. Now, remember, the race is already finished out. He's, he's already lost. He gets up, and he starts to kind of hobble as far as going toward the finish line. And all of a sudden, it's like you could see the, there were 65,000 people watching this race. You could see in the stands, as they were showing the video, you could see people, all of a sudden, all the cameras are turning to him and people are starting to stand up in the, in the stands. And as he gets up and he starts to hobble and he's trying to make his way to the finish line, all of a sudden this guy comes out from the stands. Kind of a good-sized fella. You could tell he was older. The security guards are starting to try to push this guy back and he's pushing them out of the way. It was his father. He goes over and next to him as he's going and, and his son puts his arm around his dad and they, they make it to the finish line and people are just clapping throughout the stands. You know, that's what our life is about. You know, we look at Apostle Paul and how did he finish and I think he did keep his eye on the finish line but truthfully, the reason is Philippians chapter 4 verse number 13, I can do all things through Christ. Hey, you can finish well. And, and, and the picture there of his father coming out and helping him to the finish line is exactly what we go through on a regular basis. Our Heavenly Father helps us make it to the finish line. Amen. But you've got to get your focus on the finish line. Amen. Amen. You've got, you got to look at life as, okay, this life is not for me as far as living so that I can finish with a retirement or so that I can finish with, uh, with uh, good health. No, you want to make sure that you finish well because one day you're going to stand, as it's mentioned in this passage here in verse number 1, verse number 8, his appearing. 
One day we're going to stand before God. The Lord's coming back. We're either going to go to heaven by death or by rapture. That's right. And one day we're all going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And all of us, we ought to want to be able to finish our race, the course that God gave me. Listen to me. Your race might be as Taylor is a police officer. Your course might be as Brother Felayu taking care of a large storage area. I, all of your races are different, but you have a race to finish. Amen. And you want to finish your race. and You want to finish it with joy, like Apostle Paul said. The Christian life is not a, a doldrum or a bore or a bother or grievous. The Christian life is a blessing that we're saved and we're on our way to heaven. He allows us to live this life and point people to Jesus while we're doing it. Amen. Apostle Paul said, hey, listen, the reason I finished my race is because, hey, there's a, there's, a there's a time coming, and I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ, and I'm going to get kind of righteousness, and I can't wait for that time to happen. A person by the name of Bob Rotella wrote a sports psychology book, and he said there were ten commandments to golfing. Commandment number seven was see where you want the ball to go before every shot. He said, the, this is what he said, the more your mind is consumed with the target, the more your instincts and subconscious will help you. I'm not a golfer. Any golfers in here? All right, there are a couple of you. All right, you don't want to raise your hand. I always said golfing was for old people. Now that I'm getting there, I, I was right. <laughs> so, brother, the only time I would golf is when the Dawson would come around. And Brother Dawson, he was a good golfer. And remember me telling you the story, and he was always, always so kind. Oh, Brother Hanks, we don't have to keep score. We'll just hit the ball. I said, no, we're not doing that. If we're going to play a game, we're going to keep score because there's one winner and one loser, and I don't want a participation award. <laughs> so... <laughs> So he would teach me things as, as when it came to golfing. He would teach me as far as how to hit the ball and what to do. But I'll never forget this one thing. And if, to be honest, it was probably the one single thing that helped me more than anything else in the golfing. He said, listen, <clears throat> when you golf, the closer you get to the hole, do not look at the, the hole as a six-inch cup. He says, you look at that hole as a three-inch, a three-foot hole. He said, you will come a lot closer to that if you stop looking at that little thing that you're hitting and aim for a bigger, a bigger thing. He says, you'll come a lot closer. I'm going to be honest with you, he was right. When I look at that hole, I never look at it as a six inch. If I'm with any type of distance as far as where I can see the hole, I'm not talking about when you're driving, but for any type of distance, if I can see the hole, I never look at it as a little hole. I always look at it as a three foot hole. And I want to tell you something, it's amazing how close you can come when you look at where you're going and where you're trying to end up. Church, can I just tell you, it's the same thing in your Christian life. It's not about, and I know, I know he said boast not thyself of tomorrow, but it's not really about today and it's not about tomorrow. It's about me finishing well. Amen. It's about me doing what God's will because he's coming back again. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy Amen. Every day of our life, what are we supposed to be thinking about? We close the model prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Every day of our life, we're supposed to be focused on, even so come, Lord Jesus. May today be the day, may now be the time. Amen. Hey, you can finish a lot better if you stop looking at, you know, where am I going to be, what am I going to do? And you start looking at it, when's he coming? It was Curtis Hudson said that we should stop looking for our disappearing and start looking for his appearing. <laughs> oh, I don't like being here. I wish the Lord would come back. No, you're concerned about your disappearing. I just wish I could get out of this mess. But I want you all to be thinking about is the, the one who saved your soul from hell. You're going to be able to see him and be with him forever. Amen. So what causes us to finish well? The first thing is we make sure we need to look for the Lord's return. Church, I know there's several verses, and, I, and, I, and really we could teach on that stuff, uh, those things this morning. I, I don't think I, we really have time this morning. There were some quitters that are mentioned. Verse number 10, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You know, there's, there's just several people that are mentioned here. 
But I want you to look down at verse number 17. Verse 17 says, notwithstanding, chapter 4, verse number 17, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. All right, now I guess I'm going to have to read the previous verses to make you understand why Paul said that. He just got on saying, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Look at verse number, uh, uh, verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith was a blessing to me. Is that what that says? Alexander the coppersmith <clears throat> took care of me. No, it says Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, what's the next two words? No man stood with me. <laughs> I like that. But all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Now, church, I guess what I want you to see this morning, in the context as before, I want to tell you why Apostle Paul finished well. He finished number well because, number one, he looked for the Lord's return. But I want to tell you, according to verse number 17, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me, I want to tell you the reason, the second reason I think he made it and he finished the line, because he knew the Lord stood with him. I know this is not deep and I know it's not a, you know, a literate outline this morning, but it's pretty clear from Scripture that the reason he finished his race and he's writing the letter from jail and he's about to probably lose his head is he said, listen, I've had a lot of crazy things happen in my life, but one thing for sure, I know he's coming back. Amen. I've had some people who not like me. Demas hath forsaken me. That's what Paul said. Having loved this present world, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil, but the Lord stood with me. Amen. You know, some of you right here that are out of touring this morning, and I know you can't share your story, but if people knew your story. You know, there's people in auditorium, I mean, things that their spouses have done to them, things that their children have done to them, I'm talking about their older children, done, have done to, done to them. You know what you've got going for you? You're not alone. He promised you, according to the book of Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. I'm just, I'm just telling you that what made Apostle Paul finish is I'm not in this thing alone. God's the one that's standing there with me. Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and have a good courage. Fear not, nor be, be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, it is he that it will go with thee and will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 23.4? He talked about David, of course, going through that valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. In other words, you look through the scripture, the reason people of faith made it is because the Lord was with them. Hey, Daniel, you still alive down there? Yeah, the Lord was with me. He shut the lion's mouth. Amen. Hey, how come I see four guys in that furnace? I thought we threw three in. Yeah, well, one's like the, like the son of God. Amen. I'm just trying to tell you, yes, you're going through a, a valley, you're going through a rough time in your life, but you're not alone. Amen. And you can finish well because you're not alone. Amen. I think people get discouraged in the Christian life, and I think they throw it all away because they forgot one important factor. Demas forsook me, Alexander's mean to me but God's on my side. Amen. He's going to stay with you through thick and thin. You don't have to quit. You don't have to give up. And it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. Yeah. One last thing I want you to think, think about this morning. That's this. Look at your Bible again. Look at verse number 18. Verse 18 says, And the Lord, what's the next word? And I think this is important. This is future tense. This has not happened yet. And the Lord shall deliver me. From every evil work, it will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, 
by whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, think about this. Apostle Paul said, God shall. He knew God would deliver him. Now, this is, this is faith. That's why he said the word shall. So I look at Paul's life, how he finished his course. I want to tell you how he finished his course. He looked for the Lord's return. I want to tell you how he finished his course. He knew the Lord was standing right by him. I want to tell you how he finished his course because he knew God would deliver him. Amen. You know, there's several verses, and again, I won't have you turn to them, but this one's kind of interesting to me because when he's talking about the Lord delivering him, it's interesting that in 2 Corinthians 1, verse number 10, he uses all the tenses for deliverance. Past tense, present tense, future tense, all right? Now, you don't turn to it. I'm just going to read it to you. 2, Timothy 1, 10, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 1, 10 says this. Who delivered us from so great a death. Now, think about that. Who, who, who delivered us from so great a death. Already done. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He, he already delivered us. Then it goes on to say, and doth deliver and then it goes on to say, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Amen. You know what Paul, so Paul said? I'm saved on my way to heaven. He has already delivered me from my sin. Every day of my Christian life, he's delivering me from temptation or whatever, all the other things, that, the, the lions and all the things that go on in his life. God's delivering me on a regular basis. And he says, hey, listen, he is still going to deliver me. There, there's a faith involved that I'm not alone. He's with me. He's got a purpose and a plan for my life. And I can finish well. Listen, church family, and I know we don't look to people, we always look to God, but I'm just trying to tell you there's a lot of casualties in the Christian life, and I want to tell you why there's casualties. They quit. Years ago, I kept this poem on my, in my room. I had my own room, and I kept this poem. I don't know that I can actually quote the whole thing now, but it goes like this. When things go wrong, as it sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high... <laughs> And you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a person turns about when they might have won had they stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. But he learned too late when the night came down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, so stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worst that you mustn't quit. Now, I don't know who wrote that, but I want to tell you it's good advice. Amen. Don't quit. Don't quit. The Lord's coming back. Don't quit. The Lord's standing by you. Don't quit. He will deliver you. Hey, you remember what your grandmother used to say and what the Bible has, has said? This too shall pass. Now, church, I mean, it's going to pass one way or the other. Either God's going to allow time to continue on or he's going to take us home to heaven, but this too shall pass. Amen. Church, I mean, I don't like what's going on in the United States of America, and the reason I can be so nice in the pulpit is because I don't listen to the news. Yeah. I tell you, if I watched the news, I would be a wreck, all right? I'd be like some of you are right now, you know, Amen. watching the news and find out what the president's doing or not doing. You know, you're finding out what's going on with the coronavirus and, you know, you know, you're, you're going to die, by the way, one day. One way or the other, you're going to die. Who cares, okay? You're going to die, all right? So all the things that are going on, we allow, and by the way, we talk about people that are influenced by the media. Christians are influenced by the media, too. Yes. Philippians 4, verse number 6, be careful for nothing. Nothing. <sighs> nothing. All right? So I'm just trying to tell you that... You don't need to quit. You don't need to get discouraged. You don't need to be bothered. Oh, 
you know, my work's going to make me get this, get this vaccine. Listen, church family, I know the vaccine. By the way, I wrote, I wrote two letters. If you need them, I'll be email you. I wrote one letter that if you're sending it into your um, employer, I finally took the time to do that. But I, I wrote a letter that if you yeah. talk, it's going to have scripture as well as um, I stole some of your stuff and I stole some of some other stuff too. I just put it all compiled into one letter. Uh, Alice wrote a letter too. And I know some of you have already written your letters, but I've written, and, and, uh, church family, I just want you to know as a pastor, I am, I'm not fully persuaded in my own mind. I'm just an American that doesn't like to be told what to do, all right? And I know that's very carnal, and I know, I know someone would say, hey, you shouldn't be that way. But I haven't taken the, the vaccine. The only thing I struggle with the vaccine, now we're talking personally here, but the only thing I struggle with the vaccine is this. I'm not fully convinced I'm not going to go to the mission field to see the people I sent over there by not getting the vaccine. I'm just not convinced of myself that yet. But I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm holding out. <laughs> I'm holding out. I do not like the fact that uh, all the vaccines, either through its testing or through its vaccine, has used abortion. I don't like that. That's wrong, it's sinful, it's murder, it's ungodly. And you're gonna have to come, to, there's, there's probably some of you here, you've already taken the vaccine, and listen, we're not gonna get divisive over this. And I say, we're not going to. You've got to be a bigger Christian in this thing. Whether you take the vaccine or not taking the vaccine, you're not better because you took it. You're not worse because you have. Amen. The Bible says, according to Romans chapter 6, you're supposed to be fully persuaded in your own mind. If you're fully persuaded in your own mind, you do what the Lord tells you to do. All righty? But I want to tell you, this vaccine thing is causing people to go haywire. Haywire. Craziest thing in the world. But you know what? I don't have to worry about it. You don't want to worry about it? Lord's coming back. You don't want to worry about it? He's standing with me. You don't, you don't want to worry about it? Because he is going to deliver me. Amen. It's just the faith. That's, that's Apostle Paul said, I have a race. It's my race. It's my course. I'm going to complete it. And the reason I'm going to complete it is because I know where the finish line is. I know where I'm going. I'm going to finish my race because I know who's alongside of me. He's coming out there and he's helping me finish my race. And I know he will deliver me. Hey, you can finish your race. It's discouraging sometimes when our children don't do right or they make bad decisions. It's discouraging sometimes when you're struggling with your mate. It's, it's, it's discouraging sometimes when unexpected financial trouble comes through and you have to come up with it. It's, it's discouraging sometimes. I had somebody, I've had two people tell me now that our president wants to give $450,000 to illegal aliens. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you mad. I don't have to worry about it. I don't care if he gives them $3 million. I know where I'm going when I die. I know who's standing with me. And I know who's going to deliver me from this thing. Hey, listen, finish your race. Finish your race. And finish it well. It's your race. Don't let Satan cause you to, to give up or quit. Well, I got tripped up. Well, get back up. A just man followed seven times. Rise up again. You can finish well.